glad that you're here. This is exciting. This is our our third week together on this, so it's kind of it's kind of neat to be neat to be with something kind of like a pioneer type situation. And you don't get that chance often, but we're doing it here. We're excited about what the Lord is doing, and uh, it's a wonderful time to be able to come and worship the Lord. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I hunger for that. Don't y'all? To worship God, and uh, you know, when I read the Scripture about worshiping the Lord. I find every time that when you worship God, something changes. You know, you don't, I hate to come to a service like this and walk out and uh, say, well, that was a good service, but, but, but really was it? Was it a good service? You know, I think if we didn't really meet with the Lord, I think maybe it may have been a cool religious activity, but it may not have been something life-changing. And, uh, you know, we're coming to church anyway, and I want God to do some life-changing. Amen? Don't you all feel that way? I want God to change my life. And, and do some things in there and all and uh, you know and i'm glad you think that way and feel that way because the god i serve is in a life-changing business it's what he does and when he changes our life he allows us to be world changers that's why god left us here you know i get around so many believers today and they kind of give you the attitude of well man the world's just going to overcome us i don't think that's what's going to happen you know i believe that uh, greater is he that's in us than he is in the world amen I mean, that's a fact. And so I think we need to quit walking around like, oh, man, you know, uh, when is the other shoe going to drop? I, I don't think the first one dropped. And so I think it's important to realize that, you know, God has left us here at a unique time. And I, you know, I, I realize I don't have a lot to do with the fact of when I was born and, and I happen to be living during this time. But uh, God has a lot to do with that. And uh, I think it's true with me. and It's also true with you. I think it's important that sometimes we do a little inventory on that. Uh, we sometimes don't think that we have much to do about what's getting ready to happen. Uh, we are living in a world that I think sometimes we think the world's just going to happen to us. I don't know about you, but uh, maybe I'm just stubborn. But I want to happen to the world. Amen. <laughs> you know, I want God left us here to make a difference. And if you're not making a difference, you ought to check that out. You know, God left you here for that reason. He's placed you in the neighborhood you're in to make a difference. He placed you in the school that you're in to make a difference. He placed you in the family that you're in to make a difference. I really believe that. And uh, when you start believing that, you start living that way. I mean, you start living in a way that, man, my life really does count. Because if you're not careful, guys, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to get to a place that you don't think you do count. That you, it's gonna, you're going to get to a place you don't think you really do matter. You'll, you'll get to an area where you'll think, well, I'm just taking up space, you see. And if I find anything true in the Word of God, God did not leave me here to take up space. He left me here for when I to make a difference in the space that I happen to be dwelling in. So I, I want you to get a hold of that truth. I want you to walk out here with, a, with an understanding. You have a responsibility. You have a job to do. And we have the ammunition to do whatever we need to do. Now, we're living in very difficult times. I don't have to probably state that too much i mean as a country we're living through difficult times uh, the next two weeks we're going to be talking a little bit about that because we're about nine days from our 240th birthday and uh, as a country and and i know that there's a lot of disparaging things said about the country but i i'm thankful to be born in america i'm thankful uh for the privilege and an honor to be a, a citizen i'm grateful i love our country i pray for it but i know we have problems we got difficult problems we got uh, economical problems we are without question uh, we are drowning in in debt you know and uh, millions and millions of people are not working that's kind of a discouraging thing uh, we are living in days uh, we're living within a few days of some of the most exciting political ads we've ever seen 
very uplifting, encouraging ads. Are you with me on that? Man, it's going to be fun, isn't it? I mean, it's going to be just praise Jesus ads. And uh, I know that's coming, so, uh, you know, you kind of saddle up uh, for that kind of situation. And we're living in very political different times and all, and, uh, and I realize that. I don't know the, who has the answer to that particular situation, but it's happening. And that, that concerns us. They're all concerned us. And, but, you know, another thing that bothers me is, is the culture we're living in. We're living in a culture that's more and more secular. That's a sad thing. I mean, you know, uh, it's not only have we kicked God out of our skin, and I mentioned this uh, only a few weeks ago, not only have we kicked God out of our schools, and we're trying to kick him out of our country, you know, and we're trying to become, you know, we don't know what our core values are, we don't have any really standards, if you will, and so we're kind of confused when it comes to that kind of situation. And then you know, what's really funny, we, 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 we're so against the things of God. I mean, we may not make that kind of statement, but, you know, our actions speak louder than our words. You've heard that saying, what you are speaks louder than what you're saying type thing. And then, you know, then all of a sudden these guys get on TV, and they end after they do these terrible speeches, and they say this, now God bless. Don't you want to kick your TV in? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> How do you want to kick it in? They don't even know what they're talking about now. And so we're living in some very culture problems and then of course uh as uh, uh internationally we're having difficulties and you know i remember you know through the years i've had the privilege of traveling some internationally and uh, there was a day when we traveled that as americans i mean you were revered uh you certainly were protected but now you're a target if you travel overseas today you you're placing yourself in jeopardy as no matter what kind of safeguards there may be because of the kind of world that we're living in it's a very scary thing to realize that and of course you you see that and if you're not careful what's going to happen now nobody here will be this way if you're not careful you become very pessimistic i mean you know just everything's terrible and awful and you know and it's not careful you're going to you're going to ride that road of pessimism and all that kind of stuff and and i realize that it's difficult to be optimistic and i frankly am not huh I'm just not. Optimism, the, the people that are optimistic have a tendency to, to, to ignore the facts. People that are optimistic have a tendency to believe, well, you know what? The sun will come out tomorrow. Maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. And so we'll say, so how do you do with the things you deal with? How, I, well, I'm very hopeful, see. I'm very hopeful. I'm not optimistic, but I'm very hopeful. And hope is a biblical concept that says this that even though things look difficult and, and things, there's a lot of problems, we believe that God's a good God. Amen? God's a good God. And I believe God's in control. And I may not know what it is, but I know he has a plan and purpose for what's happening in our country. And let me go a step further. He has a plan and purpose for your life. He's got things he wants you to do, got things that, that he's making available to you. But the question we come this morning is what is the solution to what's going on in our country? What is the solution that's going on in our lives? You, you may have come this morning and you're really pretty perplexed about your life. Very difficult what's going on. And so what is the solution? Well, the solution has always been the same. It was 3,000 years ago the solution was given. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 7:14. here's what he says. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then will i hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land that's what will heal america the bible talks about this if my people god is not talking about everybody say well the problem with america is the politicians the problem with america is the guys down in hollywood those people 
That's our problem. That, those are the people we like to beat up on the most. When things are going bad, it's the guys in Hollywood and the politicians are the ones that are messing us up. But the Bible doesn't say that, does it? What's the Bible say? If my people. So you know what the problem is? You're the problem. Let's go home. That's what you want to do. I gave you the message. I get out and straighten out is what I'm trying to tell you. But still, the Bible, you know, he lays that stuff on us. You know, it's, it's our responsibility. You know, I think with, when you're in a family, you have family responsibilities. Are, are you with me on that? If you're a part of a family, you have family responsibilities. And as believers, we're part of the family, and so therefore we have family responsibilities. And they say, well, what does God want us to do? He wants us to admit we flubbed up. That's in the Greek somewhere. That we flubbed, you know, that we've messed up, that we've sinned. God wants us to admit that. He wants us to be, to be conscious of that. He wants us to say we've messed up. The Bible says in James 4, 6, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resists the proud, but he giveth grace to the humble. You know what he's saying? He's saying, he's saying Bill, when you're proudful, you and I are on different sides. He's against pride. And when I'm that way, God says, I'm not for you. I'm against you in that situation. He says, you know, you've got a problem. And the problem is pride. And I think it's important for us to understand that and to see that. Pride causes you some very strange things. Now, he says this, though. But God gives grace to the humble. You might want to write this stuff down. Here, let me give this statement. Grace is the power you need to change. I'll write that down. Grace is the power you need to change. Now, you know when we generally change? January 1st of every new year. Are you with me? In January, we have these things that we put out that we're not going to smoke or chew or go with the girls that do. Sorry, you girls back there. Don't you? There are a couple of girls from Arcadia back there. I know they chew both of them. And I saw that little snuff thing in their back jean pocket. Little round, you see a little round thing? Have you seen them? You know what I'm saying? Girls, you, girls, you know I'm talking right. Remember? You know. They go with boys that do, though. <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, <laughs> jump track here. The problem is this, guys. You started in January with hurts, hang-ups, habits that you want to get victory over. Am I right? Didn't work out, did it? Now, it's been six months since those resolutions. No, that's revolutions. Resolution, resolutions. Whatever. Those things, you know them things. And, and you, you were not going to do those things. And you start out in January and February and March and April, May and June. It's not going well, is it? And so you know what you're thinking? Now in 17, in January of 17, I'll change. Why would you kick, why would you give up six months? You got six months. Why don't we start July of this year? You know, let's get back on track. You know, let's start, let's start this thing again and all. And so what you got to understand is grace will give you the power to change. Well, we're not talking about just kind of thinking through this. This is, God says, this will work for you and this will work for me. Now, the Bible says in Proverbs 28, 13, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confess and forsake them shall have mercy. In other words, you try to hide your sins, you're in trouble. Let me give you this. You can write this one down here. Cover-ups turn mistakes into scandals. It's a good thought. Cover-ups turn mistakes into scandals. The Bible says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, Whoso confess 
and forsake them will have mercy. The first step of healing financially or emotionally in your marriage, the, the, the way to deal with this is come to God and say, God, I blew it. I messed up. I did wrong. You know, I think it's important that we get a hold of that. God, I am sorry for what I've done. And, and you've got to get out of the fact of denial, denying the fact these things happen in your life. We live in kind of a dream world type situation. We need to be honest with ourselves. You know, it's a hard deal. You know the person you lie to the most is you. You lie to yourself the most. And you need to get away from that. You need to deny those situations. No. One of the things I would recommend you're doing is to make a sin list. Now, for some of you, that's going to be a lot of paper. And, uh, but, uh, but what I'd encourage you to do, you probably do this by yourself, is get with God and say, God, okay, I've messed up. I've blew it. Tell me. Show me where I've messed up. When he starts saying, how about your attitude? Write that down. How about your activities? Write that down. How about that anger? Write that down. How about lust? Write that down. I mean, put them down there. Write them down. Well, these things are in my life. Write them down. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. 1 John 1, 9 says if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I think it's very important that, that you do that, that this is the first step. You go, write these things down, you come to God, ask God to forgive you, and burn the list. Don't put the list on Facebook. You know what I'm saying? Keep it off Facebook. You know, in fact, most of you ought to keep off Facebook. But do that. Now, if you will do that, then the, now you've said you want, you said you wanted to come this morning. You said you wanted to worship God. Okay. Hang with me. You want to worship God. And let's stay with me because worship God talks about worshiping God is change. Now, if you're willing to do this first step, then the second step, which is, I believe, a lot more difficult, but, but it's important that you do. If you really want victory or if you just want to play the game called church. If you want to do that, that's cool, but it's not, you're not going to be different than you walk out here. I want you to be different when you walk out. Now, the next step, here it is, James 5.16. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another. You may be healed. The effects of prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Did you notice something about that scripture? God wasn't mentioned. See that? He was not mentioned, not one time. The reason is God has wired me and you in a way that we need each other. We can't be just so independent, if you will. We must be interdependent. We need each other. We need accountability. We need someone that's there in our corner, if you will. We need each other. What Satan would like to do is to separate us and to get you isolated and thinking, if you're isolated, then you'll be able to have victory over Satan. That ain't going to happen. We need each other. It's important to understand how, how valid that is. Have you ever heard someone say this? The revealing of your feeling is the beginning of healing. Interesting statement. The revealing of your feeling is the beginning of healing. As long as you're suppressing this thing. As long as Satan can convince you how awful you are, and that's what he tries to convince you are, and he can just, you know, no one, have you ever thought this? No one is as bad as you. You are, you are the chief. You're, you're number one when it comes bad. You know, of course, Paul said that. He, he was the chief. And what happens when you start thinking like that? Well, then, hey, there's just no hope for me. I'm so bad and all. 
But the reality of it is this. If you're here this morning, you know Christ is your personal Savior. You're blood-bought. I mean, you're born again. I mean, something's happened inside. God changed our lives and all. I'm not saying that we're not still in the battle. Sometimes folks, well, I'm so saved and so born again. Why am I fighting sin? Because that's why you're fighting sin, because it's in this world, and you are conflicting with it. Satan didn't like that. So you got to be willing to, to get people into your life understand how important it is one of the things you'll see we're talking a lot about here a lot of things happen in sunshine so why are you guys doing all that kind of stuff we want to be relevant uh, you, you know we're, we're you know we don't want to play church we, we want to really make a difference in people's lives and we know that that's going to take some work to do that you know it's going to take some some effort to do that and, and the thing that I, one of the things that we're working really hard on is our life group we've got a life group uh, meeting we've got three life groups meeting this evening uh two at f all three are at five o'clock uh, there's one dealing with uh, if you're dealing with um, what in the world she dealing with what oh <laughs> don't give me grief <laughs> and uh, I, I'm not in any way making fun it's awful to go through some of the things we have a group a, a, a group dealing with grief we have a men's group uh, dealing with something I don't know we have Dale's group dealing with cults and uh, that's going on uh, we have groups on uh, group coming in on, on Tuesday at 1 o'clock. There's a, a couple groups on Thursday, a couple groups on Wednesday. Uh, what we're trying to do, guys, is we're trying to get people involved in these groups of five or six or seven or eight, some of this nature, because, you see, here's the deal. The, why we're doing that is because trust, I'm write this down, trust, trust always comes before truth. Always. Trust always comes before truth the reason people don't tell you the truth they don't trust you they don't know what you're going to do have you ever had anyone betray you yeah it don't take much of that does it pretty soon you don't want to trust nobody and that's what happens now what you don't understand that's satan's ploy if he can get you to fall down that road you're not going to make it i mean you just you, i mean you need we need each other and you, that's why we're going to these life groups where there's like four or five or six couples, something of this nature or, or whatever. And, and because when they do life together and they study together, and they start praying together, they start loving, loving the Lord together, they start weeping together, they start trusting. And truth then comes in and sets you free. All these months and years you've been trying to get victory. Finally, finally. There's victory. The church is not a religious activity. It's a life-changing experience. At least it should be. I think for some people it probably is just simply a, an activity. But I, I hope not for you. hope not for you. I'll give you one more thing this morning. Not only does there need to be humility in our life, but there needs, we need to pray with tenacity. I like that word, tenacity. <laughs> some words are just like tenacity. In other words, tenacity means persistence and, per and, and perseverance and diligence, uh, refusing to give up. You know, I think the problem is that we give up too soon. You know, we, we pray for things, and, and we say, well, I, I asked God for this, and he didn't answer prayer. <laughs> well, God's no vending machine. He's not some genie. You know, you've got to understand, God wants to understand. There's a difference between whim and passion, something you're really passionate about. Something you're really passionate about, you're going to pray about it, and going to pray about it, going to pray about it. You know, you're going to help you to focus. And uh, I think it's important we understand these things are going on. 
Uh, God wants you to do that. God wants you to pray with passion. Uh, God desires that for you. God wants you to be tenacious. You know what I'm saying? Tenacious. Going before God and praying. And there's so many illustrations in the Word of God uh, that uh, people that were in holding on and being tenacious. There's an illustration that I, I want to give to you that, that uh, I've used so many times, but I, I like it, so I want to give it to you again. Christmas is coming, by the way. I, I saw that on Facebook. You know, 188 days to Christmas. Are you all ready for that? I'm excited about that. There was a little kid named Johnny. He wanted to watch for Christmas. And he, uh, uh, he uh, did all the research. Uh, I mean, worked hard on it. He knew what he wanted, a certain watch, a certain company. And so he started bugging his dad and mom. I want to watch for Christmas. I want to watch for Christmas. And on and on he went. You ever been around people that are aggravating like that? Okay. And so, and so he, dad got to a place and said, son, you've got to stop. Don't talk about this anymore. And so, you know, he didn't. And they were home one night, and they were having, you know, some family time around the supper table, and they were talking about different things. And dad came up with a great idea. Let's all give our favorite verse. And so they all gave their favorite verse. And Johnny said, my favorite verse is Mark 13, 37. I said, what is Mark 13, 37? It's, this is what it says. And what I say Unto you I send y'all. Watch. That's what I call tenacious. And using God's word too. We need to be tenacious. We, we need to be serious about what God is going to do in our life. And you've heard me say this before. You're as close to God as you want to be. You're as close to your children as you want to be. You're as close to your wife as you want to be. You're as close to your husband as you want to be. It's a choice. Love's a choice. You know how you spell love? P-I-M-E. That's how you spell love in the Greek. And so, pi. And I think it's important that we understand that. Important that, that, that this is the situation. And so I encourage you. One of the things that you need to do to help you to certainly be tenacious when it comes to your prayer life is a prayer list. You need to be, have a prayer list. Let me encourage you about that. You know, have you ever had someone come to you and say, would you pray for me? And you said you would, but you didn't. What I find myself doing now, Butch, is when someone comes to me, will you pray for me? Right then, man. <laughs> We're going to do it right then. <laughs> you know, I may forget it. If I don't write it down, you know, I have a photographic memory. But the film is a problem. And so anyway, so, uh, so I, I encourage you, get a prayer list together. Write down some names on your prayer list and on. And the neat thing about a prayer list, it helps you understand, is God coming through or not? Get it on the list. You know what the Bible, you know how God puts it this way, prove me herewith, saith the Lord. That's what he's saying, prove me. Test, test me. See if I won't do that and all. And so we need to do that. We need to get that prayer list together. And, and uh, you know, uh, the benefit of a prayer list is it helps you not to forget. And the Bible gives you so many scriptures about prayer. Let me give them to you. Matthew 7, 7. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Again, John 14, 13. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. One more. Matthew 21, 22. And all things, whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. Why aren't you plugging in? Well, why do you act like God's not powerful? Uh, well, why, why, why do we live our lives in such a way that it appears that God is not God? That he's some kind of a religious object, if you will. God is, is all-powerful, and he's begging you. He's encouraging you. He's a, just ask me. 
What a sad thing when you die and you get to heaven if you're going. And you say, well, God, why didn't you answer my prayer? And he says this, why didn't you ask? Why didn't you ask? Ephesians 6, 18 says, pray always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching, therefore, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. One more scripture. I think it's important when we think about prayer and says this, Luke 18, 1. And he spake a parable unto this end, that men ought always to pray and not faint. Here's the option. Pray, quit. What are you going to do? I can pray or I can quit. I believe that God desires for us to, to go before him and to pray and, and, and to seek his face. And You know what I found out? That when I spend my time praying before the Lord and talking to God about things, things have a tendency to clear up for me. It's when I, have you ever, do you ever stuff stuff? Yeah, stuff stuff. I mean, are you, how many, I won't have you raise your hand. I was going to ask how many are stuffers. You need to stuff it in, stuff it in, stuff it in, stuff it in. Sooner or later, the sun may not be coming out in the morning, but whatever's there is coming out. And all of a sudden, you just explode, you see. And then the damage is done almost in such painful ways. But as believers, we don't have to do that. We can go before him. You know what he says? Call unto me. You that weak and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Cast all your care upon me because I care for you. So this morning, you may have come and you need some healing in your marriage. Or you need some healing in your relationship. You need healing with the family or in your job or whatever the situation is. And you may have accepted the possibility that there is really no hope. Isn't that an awful thing to get to a place? No hope. And someone gets to that place, it's a very dangerous place. You don't have to be there this morning. And I encourage you, right now, you can do some business with the Lord. God has spoken to your heart. God has dealt with you. You can come and, and you know how you worship the Lord? You know what worshiping the Lord actually means? Respond to God. That's worship. Not some type of activity or jumping or flipping or, or, or singing some kind of a song or all that kind of stuff. We call that worship. I can tell you what worship is. Worship is doing what God tells you to do. That is worship. You know why that's true? It's called obedience. Now, God spoke to you this morning. We're talking about healing. You may have come in, and, you know, a lot of times we don't want to admit that we need any help. That's called pride. Pride. But I'm convinced that this morning that you don't have to walk out of here with the same burden you've walked in. It's really your choice. He's told you what he will do. My people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. 